You're listening to Outlandish Outcasts at outlandishoutcasts.com. Welcome to Outlandish Outcasts, episode 14. I'm your host, Al. With me, as always, is Desi. How are you tonight, Desi? Good. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Excited to be recording. I am always excited to be recording. I'm a little disappointed it's episode 14. Disappointed that it's 14? Why? 13 is my lucky number. Oh, so, so, just, that. so, like, no it's more luck now over. for another, like 100 episodes, and then maybe 113 will be. No, that's 113. Oh. It's not 13. Oh, okay. I mean, maybe if we ever record on a Friday the 13th. That could be possible. We just have to watch when Friday the 13th happens. Record. That might be fun. Might have to record too. Might be feeling lucky. Yeah, yeah. Get one, get one in the can, as they say. In the can? Yeah, you get an episode in the can to use later whenever you need to. Oh. We need, we need to do that, especially <laughs> when we travel. I agree. The time we took a trip this year and we had to hurry up and cram in an episode before we left. I can't find anything! <laughs> I think that was probably because I worked under pressure the best. Yeah. And I probably pulled the most amazing stories that time. Too. I'm sure. I don't I even no remember idea what, what episode. What they were. Um, but yeah, I'm sure they were excellent. It was literally last minute too. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we get right into it? I think I'm first this week. I believe you are. You're okay. going to be first anyway, so okay. because you said it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I am going first. Now, I was really struggling with this first story. I, it didn't come to mind right away, but as you know, or as you know, and I'm sure the audience doesn't, but I'm kind of a political junkie. I follow, yes, and I've said we need to keep politics. We're not. Politics. I'm not talking politics. I'm not talking <laughs> politics. But something in on the political landscape today inspired me to look into what I looked into. Okay. So... Is there biased opinions on what you no, looked into? No, not at all. Well, I'm sure there were back in the 1800s when they were being discussed. But oh, anyway, okay, 1800s. <laughs> well, we're some good. of it is more recent than that. Some of it's more recent than that. But you know, there's a lot of talk lately about the possibility of Puerto Rico becoming the 51st state. I thought, yeah. well, it's a territory. But I thought it was supposed to become a state. Well, to become a state, uh, two thirds of the states have to agree to it, and two thirds of both the Senate and House have to agree to it. And then why wouldn't we? It's or anyways, that's it's, political. Debate. Why wouldn't we? It would be a political discussion. Also, exactly. there, there's there's about uh, there's been talk for years also of making uh, DC its own state. DC um, should be too. I for agree. the longest time, they didn't even have voting rights, I and agree. I bet a lot of people didn't even realize that either. I so agree. no, they didn't. They they could they could not vote for a long time. Wasn't it until the seventies? Something like that. It's yeah. a little bit of history. It's not <laughs> debating political nope. stuff. Just factual information. But that made me think, how many, like, failed states have there been? Well, there have been towns within states that want to become their own states. Oh, I know. We have, have one locally here, not that far away, that seceded from the Union. They didn't want to become a state. They wanted to be their own country. Wasn't part of Mexico supposed to be I'm sure, but when I looked into it, it turns out there's more than you can count. But there are some really interesting areas of land in this country that tried to become a state. So I picked out like four of them and I figured I'd talk about them a little bit. Oh, we're going to talk about what could have been. Four failed states that could have been states, but they're not. Oh, it makes me want to sing. (laughs) Could have been so beautiful. Could have been so right. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm not going to sing for everybody. Nobody wants to hear that. I do have to say most of the states, the naming conventions for the states that I looked up were kind of kind of lame if like they were made by a preschooler. <laughs> We've got... They could have been. Absarcoa. Are you sure you're saying that right? Absarcoa. Let me see that. It's Absarcoa. I want to see the word. It's Absarcoa. Give me the word. No. <sighs> this is parts of Montana, South Dakota, and Wyoming. What was it called again? Absarcoa. Was that like a Native American word? I Minnesota re- was. I really Native. don't know. No, I really don't know. But way to do this your was, research. You know, those are <laughs> those are three states that aren't very populated, and these were the least populated areas of those three states. So it was coming like together, in the middle. It was ranchers and farmers who um, didn't like the New Deal in the nineteen late twenties, early thirties. They didn't like the New Deal, so they wanted to secede from their states and create their own state. Boom, politics. Um, they also had figured they had an up because in the late 20s, um, something was being built or carved, in, which would have been in that state. So they figured tourism would be good. Mount Rushmore happens to be. I was in waiting that spot. for that. <laughs> um, it, it got so, I mean, it, this did get close. The state license plates were made. Uh, a Miss wow. Absarcoa was chosen for the Miss America pageant, um, but it never came to be. I don't think it ever actually came up for a full vote. Huh. But, look, we could have had a state of Absarcoa. That's a really weird name. It is. Then again, I mean, you think of some of the states we have, and it's like, how did they even come up That's with That's true. Them? I'm sure there's some interesting stories behind how states got their names. Like Florida. Yeah, I, I mean, know. it sounds normal because we hear it every day. Yeah, but it wouldn't be normal if... I'm going to yeah. call it huh. Florida, the anyway. panhandle state. Like, really? Uh, Florida? More towards the eastern side of the United States, not all the way east, but we have the state of Franklin. See, now that's a name that... That makes sense. Stuck, but it's more yeah. like a town. And this is basically eastern Tennessee was proposed as the state of Franklin. It was actually supposed so to be... The 14th state. Where's, That's how early this is happening. Where's Memphis? In the middle? Somewhere, somewhere but is in it the like middle. But it wouldn't have affected this because it didn't exist at the time when they were trying to propose the state of Franklin. This is in 1776. <laughs> so is this after Benjamin Franklin? Um, That would be my guess, yes. yes. Research, yes. Alan. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to talk about. I wasn't going to know, know everything like about it. Anyway, the whole point of this state was North Carolina was in major debt from the Revolutionary War. So they figured they'd sell off the western part of their state, which was actually Tennessee, to the U.S. government, who would buy it, and then, you know, it would would be all good. Um, In the summer of 1785, uh, the government of Franklin ruled ruled in a parallel government alongside North Carolina's government, and they existed for four and a half years. Um, But on May 16, 1785, they submitted a petition for statehood, and it was uh, not able to get the two-thirds majority required in the Articles of Confederation at that time, because the Constitution had not been written. Do you imagine if it wouldn't have been in the middle of the Confederation, it probably would have passed and we would have had a state in yeah. Franklin? Yeah, probably. Now, this next one, you'll never guess where it's located. Okay. Where we I'm going to tell you the name and see if you can guess where it's located. <laughs> the state of Westylvania. Um, west of Pennsylvania? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So is it like Michigan? Uh, west Virginia and Southwest Pennsylvania, actually. Um, so kind of a weird little I shape. I had the right idea. Um, this was another one. It was around the same time as the Revolution. People were 
not happy and didn't like their state governments, especially in the more rural areas. So was this West Virginia? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It was West Virginia and then part of Pennsylvania. No, it wasn't Virginia. It was, it was the West. State it was the state of West Virginia. Virginia. Yes. Okay. Yes. Not not Western Virginia. I'm like you start saying too many words <laughs> and I get all confused and flustered. And then the last one I picked out is fairly close to where we are. You know, not right on top of us, but fairly close. Um, and it was the state of Superior. Huh. I wonder where that could be. And it was the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and the northern portion of Wisconsin. Um, of course, like a lot of these states happen, uh, the people in that area didn't believe that the people in Lansing, Michigan, or Madison, Wisconsin were representing their ideals, so they wanted to break off and make their own state. Um, if it would have become a state right now, it would be the least populated state. That's almost like how there's been talks about our state breaking mm-hmm. in half. Oh, yeah, we hear it, we hear it. It's um, never going to happen, but... The state of Superior actually had three separate proposals where it almost went through. One in 1858, 1897, and 1962. But none of it was able to get enough support. 1962? 1962. So this stuff, like, literally still happens. Yeah, so it's it still happens. I mean, it's, it's not... There was talk not that long ago, big fights in California, too, on, you know, Northern California and Southern California... And there have actually been state proposals. I was reading about them when I was doing research for this. There was like, there was one where it was just Los Angeles was just going to be its own state. That's because it's always the, unless you're on the outskirts, you don't really see what's going on. But if you're living in the metro area, Mm -hmm. the big metro areas, you're not really seeing everything that the people in the rural areas are complaining about because all the money not all the money. The majority, majority of the, the money. money goes to the metro area, yep. but that's because that's where the population is. Yep. And it makes sense so that that's where most of the money goes, but you don't... there's no people and you're not getting the road construction or whatever yep. that you're lacking because the funds need to go here because most people drive here. So there tends to be this frustration mm-hmm. and then people are like... Meh. And, you know, people feel it locally here. So, yeah, that's... Uh, I just thought that was interesting. An interesting little topic of failed states. If you ever... Want to learn some more? There's thousands of them out there. I might have to look. I would have been like, why didn't you say this one? (laughs) You will, too. I will. (laughs) I would have been like, look, there's Unicornia. (laughs) Unicornia. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Unicatopia. Unicatopia. Uh Okay. Like the Unicat. I've never seen it. But it's a topia. You've never seen a unicat? No. Nope. It's a cat with a unicorn horn on it. I did see something the other day. It was something about, can you imagine, how can you imagine that we actually know that the duck-billed platypus is real? It just seems like the most wacko animal ever. But a horse with a horn, no, that's magical. <laughs> it can't be real. It could have had a tumor. It could. it could. That's probably how it came about. Probably. Horse, something like that. Horse, horse with the or it was at a birthday horn. party. And put on one of those hats. <laughs> it probably started in the circus. Or they actually existed. Maybe. Maybe you need to try the blue. Okay, okay. Well, Noah just forgot to put them on the boat. There is a song about that. It was my favorite growing up. Are you picking on the song? No, I'm not picking on the song. I've never heard the song, but I've seen I've like I played it the song for you. I'm you know, sure you like have, the green but... alligator. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. We don't want to get like in trouble for copyright. Them, we'll send that too. <laughs> Anyway, what do you have for us this evening? 
Okay, so my first story is um, India doc doctors removed 232 teeth from boy's mouth. What? 232 teeth. That's a lot of teeth. Mm -hmm. Were they his own teeth? Yeah. <laughs> okay, just yeah. making sure. So, this is a little something. I follow this page and on Facebook called I Love Freaking Science. Mm -hmm. Or I Freaking Love Science. Um, and I got this from there. It was actually a couple years ago. And it like came through, you know, on Facebook how you have the memories, the stuff that you posted. Mm -hmm. Well, I shared this a couple years ago. And I'm like, ooh, there's a story. Because we work with teeth. Mm -hmm. And I get intrigued by all the gross things. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I watched Dr. Pimple Popper. Yuck. Love that show. Yuck. Oh, my God. It's, like, the best, especially when they make the farting noises. I'm just glad I'm not in that room when those things make those farting noises. Because I gross. cannot imagine the smell. Oh. They'd be like, can you get the poopery over here? <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm assuming this might might need the poopery, too. Yeah, except you're not going to spray it in somebody's mouth. No. So, this was from... I don't even have the year, 2014. I got it from two different sources. So yeah. I have the LiveScience.com and then um, BBC. And then, of course, I, I freaking love science. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's probably something else, but I'm not right with that. Close enough. So anyways, the 17-year-old boy from India um, was having some pain in his jaw. and. For about a month, and then his dad finally brought him in because he was thinking maybe it is cancer or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, went in there, and he had a tumor, like a little tumor in the lower part of his mouth. And the doctors went to open it, um, assuming they were going to test it. And next thing they realized that it was called, I can't find the name, and I underlined it, complex composite adenotoma. So, that doesn't sound good. No. So it's a tumor that was in the mouth, and then they open it up. Usually these are, like, in the upper jaw, and they have a maximum of 87 teeth that they'll find. The tumor had teeth. Like yep, the that's wall. where all the teeth came from. <laughs> so gross. if you, like, go on the internet and you think no, it's, no, like, no, a Photoshop no. thing, <laughs> you'll see teeth, like, on the roof of the mouth and stuff like that that they'll pull out. Oh, gross. So, and they're not actually teeth. They're, like, made up of yeah. teeth, like the dentine, the enamel, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But they're tumors is what they are. Oh. And this happens in more boys. And this is actually pretty common, apparently. It's so not... glad I'm not looking at a picture right now. <laughs> but I was looking at it, and you think it's not in Photoshop. Because you see all those Photoshop yeah. things. Like, mm -hmm. they take this thing, and they make it into this. And it's like, wow. Well, no. I'd be, like... Oh, I, there are so many times I'm at work and I'm opening an x-ray. I'm like, wow, look at that. I shouldn't say an x-ray, a photo. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just, yeah. Hmm. Anyways, so back to non-so-disgusting. <laughs> um, so what they did was they opened it up. And, well, they got a team. They opened it up. And, like, little pearl-looking things started falling out, like white beads. But they okay. were the teeth. Mm -hmm. Um, they started counting them, and they said it was probably about halfway through that they just started getting tired themselves. <laughs> so finally, they found, like, a big chunk of the tumor and then pulled that out. But final count was 
232 teeth. 232 teeth inside of a tumor, basically, in your mouth. Yep. That's insane. So I thought that was pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, so wow. if you have a son, this is like 14-year-olds as they're developing. Mm-hmm. This happens. It's more in males than females, but it can happen in males. So if you have a someone in the cult 14, I'm assuming it's when hormones start yeah, kicking in. Yeah, that would be my guess. Um, and they start complaining of upper jaw pain. I mean, this was in the lower jaw, but it mm-hmm. it's not as common. But if they start complaining, get them in. Take it to the <laughs> right It's probably not their wisdom teeth, but, you know. You never know. Just you never kinda, know. For some reason, I was looking at a story, and I don't even know what the story was about. But it was a like a child standing on the side of the road in India. And he had legs growing out of his chest, like, born like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't read the story, but I saw the picture today, and that's kind of what it made there's me like think There's, like, a twin or something. Yeah, it was, it was something. Cool. Pretty crazy. Wow. For a mutated gene, there's yeah. many different medical reasons for. Pretty well, crazy. I hope every is everything okay. Was everything okay with him? Yep. Did after that, those types of things, once they get him out, it just doesn't grow back again. Yeah, like it's good. very rare that type of cancer grows. Now he's got a story to tell for the rest of his life. Definitely has a story to tell. Two hundred and thirty-two like, teeth. Plus, now I have my thirty or twenty-eight teeth remaining. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. That's insane. All right. So, my next two stories. Two stories? Well, Are they this, two for one? No, they're not. They're just one, and then I'll wait, and I'll do another one, like I always do. Hmm. But after last week, when I was so depressing with my last story, talking about the pet holocaust, I had to find a couple of uplifting stories oh to talk God. about. Oh, God. Are we talking about unicorns again? No, we're not talking Ugh. about unicorns. Um, and so, and part, and one of the two stories that I've got is uh, a celebrity news. Not really. Oh, we're bringing that back again. I see. It's not really news because this would be almost as not news as you can get. But anyway, my first uplifting story of the day um, is about Peter Ostrom. That's you know that name? Celebrity. Oh yeah. I've heard of Peter. I've never heard of the last name. In uh, <laughs> in 1971. He played Charlie Bucket in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Hmm. So he was the, the star of the show. Okay. Um, he was 12 years old. He was performing at a Cleveland playhouse when talent, talent agents noticed him. And, uh, the, you know, he got the role. The cool part about it, the, the, the uplifting part about the story, to me anyway, um, after the fil- after they were done filming, he was offered a three movie deal, but he turned it down because he didn't want to have to work for this one director that offered him the deal. He wanted to, like to branch out and, and try new things. Um, and so he just kept doing community theater as a kid and going to high school. Um, one of the um, directors even said that. In, in the movie Willy Wonka, Peter was more of a child who acted and not a child actor because everything was genuine. He wasn't, you know, trying to become famous. And to prove that, after he graduated high school, he decided to become a vet and take care of horses for the rest of his life. Okay. Now, I know that's not that shocking, but in the early 90s, he got married. He didn't even tell his wife 
that he was this child actor. But he didn't talk to the press. No, he didn't tell any. I mean, his you know, they didn't have a lot of close family. He did not tell his wife until they were been married for two years, and that's when he finally came out and said, you know, I I do want to say this this was me as a kid. But if she's his wife, how would she not see pictures of him as a child? I don't know. I don't know, but I thought that was kind of cool that he just went on and lived a normal life. And now he does he does go back to where he graduated college to do a speech every year now um, about his experience on the movie. But for like 20 years, he didn't like speak to any press about it. He didn't talk to anybody about the fact that he was in this movie. Weird. So, you know, here he is in, you know, in a very famous movie, in a very, very famous role. And... He's just living life, taking care of horses on a ranch. That is weird. Which is, I, I think can, is amazing. I can see my oldest being it's, like that, but the two younger children yeah, of ours, they'd be like, guess who I am? Yeah. Especially our youngest. Yes. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I played? Guess what? Yeah. I'm Charlie. From Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's yep. right. Uh-huh. Willy Wonka. Um, and his, his reasoning, he said, was he wanted the people in his life to judge him for... Who he was, not who what he did. Oh, he must have been an old soul or something. Something like like that. Since a child, how do you... Maybe he had, like, a small little taste of what... Maybe, yeah, and just didn't... The paparazzi is and stuff like that, and was like... "Mm, No, thank you. No, I don't like this. Yeah, maybe. He he does typically get about $8 to $9 a month still in residual income. Well, I figured he probably got royalty or something. Yeah, and I'm sure he made a decent amount of money when he was younger, and... It put him through college, and he became a vet, and now he's, you know, living happily ever after. We see, we see so much tragedy when, with child actors. It's nice to see one that, you know, everything turned out. My parents should have made me be an actor for one good movie. Just one. One good Full movie. Full I would have lived. Maybe. I went to got pneumonia. Oh, wait, I did get pneumonia as a child. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was my first little uplifting story about Okay, so my story, me and my dad were even talking about it when he came over the other day. I thought you were talking about something I shouldn't listen to. That's why I kept leaving the room. No, we stopped talking about it when you came into the room. Because we I flat out said, we can't talk about this with Al around. I mean, we can kind of talk about it, but we really can't talk about it because we don't tell each other each other's mm-hmm. stories until the day of the show, the show. Because we want the true reaction of it. Mm-hmm. And I said, and it probably is, I'm more excited about it just because... Just because. Mm-hmm. Like, my dad's the one Just that brought this story. Because of the wonderful things he does. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> of Oz. Okay. Although it might make you feel like it's an Oz, because when I was, like, the more I was reading, the more I was uncovering, and I'm like, oh my god, this could be an episode in itself. I could probably go on for an hour just on this. Okay. So, I'm going to start off with the small little facts. All right. And then we'll kind of go into bigger and more drama. I am ready. So, um, Willow River, Minnesota. Okay. Willow River, Minnesota. I've been there before. So you have been there for, and this was brought up because it was Willow River days mm-hmm. this last weekend, and um, Wild Bill Cooper was actually one of the people who helped start Willow River Days, because he used to own the squirrel cage there, one of the two bars in this teeny tiny little little farm area. Um, And 
so it was brought up because of that and we were talking about it and I decided like it started off where I'm going to end because mm -hmm. of all the rumors and everything mm -hmm. it just blew up um, but what he is most known for is a snowmobile expedition. They actually did a documentary on him, um, and the documentary is called Wild Bill's Run. And okay. he took um, six people with him. His goal was the snowmobile from, um, they started off in Forest Lake, Minnesota, okay. and they went, he wanted to go all the way to Russia, like snowmobile, Ooh. because in the winter, in yeah. the Arctic, it's ice. Yeah. They made it to an island right before Greenland, before they ended up wow. not making it. Um, I was reading the story, and there that were times they went eight days without eating food mm -hmm. once. They ran out of gas. Took them three days. Yeah, what like two people like had to go get gas, and it took them three days. And they had found this random okay. barrel just like laying. They said it was really weird how all these little fluke things happen. Mm -hmm. But it was like it was. All these things were happening as like signs to just kind of keep going like here we go like that would be the first thing i'd think of before we left like we're gonna be in the they middle of nowhere money. what are we gonna okay, money we're in the middle of nowhere where are you gonna get gas True. <laughs> you're in the arctic <laughs> but you think you'd have a sled with all that stuff on the back but they you're ran out of money with half of, of the problem yeah that's why they didn't eat for like eight days mm -hmm. um but there's a documentary if people want to like learn about that um, I'm not going to go too far into that, but what he is actually in Willow River most known for, he was the top 15 most wanted by the U.S. Marshal. Really? For drugs, um, bringing drugs into from Mexico. He'd fly him in. He was a paratrooper, okay. but he flew a plane and okay. never had a license, never yep. learned how to fly. Reading this, there were a few plane crashes he caused, but still walked away from them. That's hilarious. With, like, hundreds of pounds of marijuana. And the U.S. Marshal says that, like, there was one incident where Wild Bill had said, because um, he worked for the cartel, mm -hmm. and they said, you're now, you're giving all the FBI and all these people all this information um, we're going to kill you, tied him up to a bed, and shot a gun right next to his head and said, this is a warning. You can work off your debt for this. Oof. So he had been arrested. Creepy. He had, like, many different aliases, too, Why because he was in jail. He got arrested once in Arizona where he crashed with, like, a half a million <laughs> pounds. Half a million pounds of marijuana. Reminds me crashed, of... walked away, got picked up by the police for... Um, Either he was high or he had uh -huh. drugs on him or something. And they threw him in jail, gave him a false name. They let him go before the fingerprints came back. <laughs> wow. Saying who he was. And he got out of jail many times yeah. by doing this. But they said he acted so calm and cool that they never suspected, they never suspected it. suspected anything. Yeah. So they just kind of let him off. Like, oh, this then, is a small little Information petty. moved slowly back then. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially across borders because mm -hmm. he was from Minnesota. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> running drugs across the Mexican border in a snowmobile expedition from Minnesota to Russia. That's, well, I know you it all started it, with, with the Minnesota expedition, but, um, he kind of just disappeared. And then he came back, he sold the squirrel cage along with the hotel and the house that were right next to it. Okay. Um, and he sold it to actually somebody's dad that I went to school with. <laughs> <laughs> so as soon as I read the name, I'm like, 
that's really funny. Like, is this the first or the second? Because it might be his grandfather, yeah. too. Um, Because he was the third. So I was just like, ah, oh my gosh. Well, then he finally just, like, after that, he just disappeared. Like, nobody's ever heard of him since. Really? And they've known him as an adventurous, like, the U.S. Marshal that was investigating him um, in Minnesota said that he thinks the cartel actually got a hold of him the second time, and they knocked him, and they think that he's in this this um, bank, Sonoda River okay. bank. Um, but everybody in Willow River does not believe it. The FBI would come into Willow River, sit down, and everybody's like, because this is an extremely small yes, town. Yes, very, like, very, very small town. You Not only do you know all your neighbors, you are probably related to them. <laughs> and it's good that I moved out of the area. But <laughs> A beautiful place. Because I have two large families that are in that area. Yes. But, and and if they're well known for what I like to call is the backhoe game from Little River Days. That was very interesting. I, I had to tell you, it was probably the most backhill hickish thing you would ever see and you agreed after you watched it yeah i agree but it was fun it was fun it was, it was fun. very it was a good time. fun good time. so it is a good time you just sit back watch people play with the backhoe so this, <laughs> so this guy's like never been seen from never been seen um he had there's theory because the sturgeon lake bank is about five miles from willow river mm-hmm. um for people who are not used to the area but somebody had robbed the bank and took $200,000 from that. Okay. And that's about a little over a million, million and a half mm-hmm. um, nowadays. But back when this was robbed, back in the 70s, $200,000. Um, everybody believed it was him. No. Nobody would turn him in, though, because everybody liked him. Yeah. It would <laughs> so, make sense that it would be him needing some money to get away. And, and I mean, with that amount of money at that time, you know, you could create a whole new life and nobody would ever know. And that, at some point, too, um, his house that was between Willow River and Surgeon Lake went up in flames because he was probably trying to hide all evidence yeah. and everything. And because he had another house there, but it was, he didn't live there. Okay. So it was more or less probably to store all the drugs yeah. and everything. Yeah, nice quiet um, little spot to store your, your stuff. He actually tried to get out of jail one time. There was... Somebody, there was actually another person from Blue River who kidnapped. There were two people. Um, this was like a huge story back in 1972, the snatching of Toronto socialite Virginia Piper. She actually was found in the Jay Cook, Jay Cook Park, State Park, um, tied up to a tree and everything. And wow. there was a ransom for a million dollars. And they said that they found her... The money was missing, except for there was like a couple thousand of twenty bills just laying around because whoever took the money just, just grabbed, grabbed it and ran. He didn't do that, but he was trying to turn in who did that because he knew one of the people <laughs> who did it from Willow River, but so, he was trying to do a plea bargain. So let me get less. this straight: this tiny little town. I know. Of, that's what I'm saying. How, how like, many people are there? Five hundred, maybe. <laughs> and back then, probably not even that. And. There is the FBI's 15th most wanted drug smuggler and some kidnapper dude. But here's the biggest thing. Like, this is what brought me to it, though. Like, because not many people know about who Virginia Piper is, unless you're probably from Minnesota and a little bit older, because I didn't really know who she was. But the huge, like, politician's wife is what it was back in those days. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
Everybody from Willow River believes he's D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. They think he is Lynn Doyle Cooper. They don't think his real name was Wild Bill. They think it was like his. He was well, he was Bill Lloyd Cooper. Lloyd Lynn. I mean, yeah, it's so it's there's possible. speculation. It's possible that he, there's been no proof on well, who he actually was. He, but he said he grew up in Washington, like he's well, from Oregon. Sorry. Right, right area, right. And area. it's funny because this Lynn Doyle Cooper. Apparently, they grew up in the same area together, but people from Willow River believe that's he was that person. <laughs> no, it's easier to hide who you are. Obviously, it one hundred percent could be true. It also one hundred percent could be you know a small town big tale type thing. It you probably know. is, but they but said it's interesting. Interesting tying everything together. Obviously, this guy has an interesting life already. Well, Without being D.B. Cooper, he has an interesting life. Yeah, But he was a paratrooper. He had the money to yeah. buy all these parachutes yep. for all the passengers and yep. everything. But And they said it wasn't because he did it for the money, if this is if mm-hmm. he was D.B. Cooper. He did it for the excitement for the rush, of it. Because yeah. starting back from the snowmobile to flying planes that he had no license for, but yeah. he was in the Army as a paratrooper. So he knew how to jump from planes, mm-hmm. and which is probably why he survived all those plane crashes. Probably, probably had a parachute. Yep. Huh. So that's amazing. Amazing what some small little towns, the secrets some small little towns hold. Well, I knew that, like I remember when I was little, my dad would mention it, and a few other people would be like, "Yeah, when Cooper, like they had bumper stickers in the '80s that said, where the hell is Cooper?'" Like, all over Willow River, most of the people had those on their vehicles. Mm-hmm. So, I just was like, most That's people crazy. aren't going to find that exciting, but I thought that no, was Well, that is really crazy. cool, and being, you know, being in that it's your, the area that you're from, that's really cool to, to experience that as a, I don't, in a first-hand kind of telling. And I always thought it was the Willow River Bank, but it was a certain like certain bank. bank, so I always said it a little wrong, but hmm. I just remember the story from being little, and you don't remember everything. Yeah. So I did a ton of research and I just kept unfolding and unfolding all this more drama and I'm just like all this criminal activity in my small I and grew up such a naive zone. child like I remember learning about drugs in 6th grade like the cop bringing the stuff in mm-hmm. showing you what it is and you're just so naive about it. Yeah. And then you hear this big story and you're like whoa. <laughs> like I had no idea. None. That's amazing. So, could you tell I got a little excited just oh, yeah. rambling? You should be excited about that story. That's really cool. Now, since the, the, the main character in your story could fly a plane, I do have a plane flight in my story. He really couldn't because apparently he didn't know how to land them. <laughs> he said, neither did the people in my story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe that's it. The same person. Like I said, though. just don't know. This is an uplifting story. <laughs> I don't know if mine was uplifting. No, but, but hey, mine is. Uh, mine's from 1957. Um, flight 823, Northwest Airlines. Flight 823, leaving New York. Uh, was in the sky for one minute before crashing under Rikers Island, New York's 400-acre prison complex. I had never heard about this before. It was a full, you know, we're talking a full airliner. I had never heard of Rikers Island. Rikers Island is like their infamous prison. It's an island. 
just off the coast of New York. So it's kind of where like they keep their prisoners. California with with Alcatraz, kind of like that. Yeah, it's okay. where they keep the worst of the worst, typically, and others. But you know, Rikers right. Island is houses the prison, the prison pop, most of the prison population for the, for the area. Okay. Um, now, when the plane crashed, prisoners ran from all over the place to help. Well, not all prisoners are bad people. No, of, of course not. Of course not. Of course not. Um, to somebody who made a simple mistake. Now, if they've been there for three times for the same thing, then... there were uh, <laughs> there were about 101 people on the plane. 20 people did die, mm-hmm. um, but 81 people survived thanks to the 50 or so inmates that rushed in to grab people out of burning, you know, burning rubble and to. Um, there's um, there's some amazing stories I read, like from a bunch of passengers who kind of told their story about how it happened. This one guy, how his wife was mad at him because he wanted the window seat, and and it turned out she didn't make it, and he did, and he took the Aww. window seat, and things like that, which is really sad. But the fact that the the prison population, this prison, just kind of stepped up and helped out. You know, well, as much as they human. could. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Unless you're some sociopath the, sitting back and laughing. One of the coolest parts about it was on March 8th, 1957, 11 inmates were released. Because for of good, For what they did, helping with, the, with that Aww. situation. After those 11 were released, another 46 inmates had either had their sentences reduced or were released for helping. This was ordered by the governor nice. of, of New York at the time. So I'm, that I'm that assuming was really it cool. has to do on whatever the crime that they committed. Yeah, I'm sure if they're in there for murder or something like that, they're not getting it. But um, I just, I, it was just the thought in my mind of being in a plane crash and where's the one place you crash is one of the most dangerous prisons in this country, right and smack dab in the middle of it, and then to have the humanity come out of people that that are in prison. I thought that was a kind of an uplifting story to well, hear. Like that. I said, most people in prison just made some sort oh, of no, it's true. mistake it's true. and they probably learned from it because usually it only takes that one time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know if I ever ended up in jail, I'd be like, you know what? I ain't never going to do that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, I that's the way you think. That's the way I think. But the majority of people are, who are in prison, it's not their fault. True. But some people are just so comfortable with that life, too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Where... But, yeah. I don't want to say, but I kind of lost myself for a second. Well, you lost yourself. Yeah, I lost myself. Anyway, well, Alex, it was a short little right story. <laughs> it was a short little story about a plane crash that I thought was kind of uplifting. It was kind of uplifting. It's nice to see people are still, like, human. <laughs> yes. Even, even, even when you're in prison, you're still human. Still human, kind-hearted. Yes. I love it. Yes. So mine, kind of gross, my last one. It, it can't be more gross than 232 teeth in a mouth. I think this is more gross than that. Okay. Because I kind of think the teeth is intriguing. Like, I was looking at the picture like, holy Jesus! I'm going to have to post the picture. Actually, we're posting links now, so yeah. there will be a so link with a link. the picture in it. Woohoo! Yeah. Yay! So... <laughs> <laughs> So, my last thing is, it's for sightseeing. Okay. Gross. But uh, the Market Theater Gumwall was named the second germiest tourist attraction in the world by a trip advisor. A gum. So, uh-huh. Um, That's what I think it is, isn't it? It's a wall with a, wall a bunch of gum, gum. 
gum in it. And it's in Seattle in the Post Alley under Pike Place Market. Okay. Um, it was started by theater goers waiting in line at the market theater box office. And they were just sticking their gum on the wall. Well, they were cleaning it to begin with, but it yeah. just kept happening at some point. They just let it go. Now it looks... I'll, I'll post a picture of that. Oh, my gosh. But it's literally, like, people apparently were making sculptures with their gum and sticking it on there. That and is weird. What bores me, though, is it is the second <laughs> most germiest tourist attraction. What's the germiest? Because, like, I was looking at the picture. I read the germiest, and I was just like, no, the gum is by far the worst to me, anyways. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can see where the first one is, too. So I had to pull up the first one because I was like... Okay, I need to know what the first one is because mm-hmm. this gum wall is disgusting. Like, ugh, ugh. So, I bet Elf, Will Ferrell on Elf, yes. would love the gum wall. Probably, probably. Like, my, my, first, my first thought is, did they have a, a rule, no gum in the theater? I would have just changed that rule and let people chew gum. Or, or it was, you know, like, Big Red, it loses, yeah, it loses its, flavor its flavor after, after like, after 20 seconds. It's amazing what kind of things can become tourist attractions. Here's a thing to go check out, a wall full of gum. And if we were ever in Seattle in the area, we'd go check out the wall full of gum and probably stick some gum on it. No, (laughs) gross. I would, no. No, we'd be sitting on the other side of the street like, look, kids, we're not going over there. Trust me, there's something over there. I need hand sanitizer just looking at it. (laughs) So... Teeth didn't bother me. This yeah. grosses me out. The but teeth the, gross me out. That doesn't really. The gum <laughs> doesn't really gross me out. But the first most germiest, just because I looked it up, mm-hmm. I figure I'll let everybody know, is Blammy Stone in, um, not Blammy, <laughs> Blarney Stone. Blarney Stone. In Blarney Castle, Ireland. And it's because you have to bend over backwards to kiss the stone. So it's like this little thing, and then apparently mm-hmm. it like gives you this. I've heard of Good it before, but I don't know. But 40,000 people pucker up to the stone each year. But it's like 40,000 and 362. I mean, how many people a day is that really? And as long as there's a few minutes yeah. in between, it's not, not as that gross. big of a deal. Plus, the gum is I mean, it's not The like gum is more one, gross. One specific area you're kissing. I mean, it's one area, but it's not. Yeah, the no, same direct it's, spot. Now, if, if if they were kissing the gum wall, that would be really gross. Oh my god! Oh my god! Just no, you got to touch the gum wall and put your gum on there. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, and then yeah. you probably don't have anywhere to wash your hands, and you know, like most people don't even think after about a minute, and yeah. then you're biting your nails. Ugh, 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 ugh. Yeah. Oh, yuck, yuck, yuck. Yeah. Yeah, I'm grossed out now. You're welcome. Time to go. Grossed out in time to go. Grossed out in time to go. Sweet dreams. If you're interested in learning anything more about the stories we talked about tonight, you can go to outlandishoutcast.com where there'll be some links in the show notes. Or you can go to Facebook for Outlandish Outcast Podcast, and I will have a link for this episode, which will actually bring you directly to our page. Cool. But if you are on Facebook, come like us. Like us, share. Share, try to help us, you know, get more people involved in listening because we're fun people. If you want to, you can always email the show to outlandishoutcasts at gmail.com. Other than that, uh, have a great week, everybody. Yes. See you next week. Bye.